The Daily Talk Show, episode 613. In the studio, Dr. Nikki Goldstein. I like you're the welcome. Claps. Yeah, we clap you in. Thank you. I it's like a, that. It's a good vibe, it's isn't f- it? I uh, haven't even done anything yet and you're already <laughs> clapping me. Well, you're our first sexologist on the show. Oh, good. And only? Uh, is this a monogamous relationship? Well, we can we can cease relationships with any <laughs> onga, you know any other sexologists if you uh, are our in-house sexologist. I'll be your in-house. We're looking for that this year. In-house. Okay. Do you have to be on the books? Paying super as well. Yeah. Are you with Host what's Plus? The, what's the pay like? <laughs> Ask George. <laughs> what would we have to pay you to be in? I mean, we'd we'd really have to. I mean, do we have? Do people have problems that go to sexologists? Is that like yeah, do we gen- all need generally? I think you go to a sexologist. So, okay, sexology is the umbrella term, right? Mm-hmm. So underneath that then there's different roles. So yeah. you can be a sex educator, you can be a sex therapist. Um, I kind of take the role of sex educator. So I actually don't like clients. Um, can be really annoying being in a private practice where people just come and dump their crap on you. You're the Dr. Phil or the Dr. Oz of the sex industry in that Yeah, in that I way. like that analogy. Yeah. I like that analogy. I get my hands dirty, so mm-hmm. to speak, and um, I do the research mm. and I go out there speaking about sex when no one else wants to. So you don't have to come to me. I'll come to you. Yeah. I mean, it is the ultimate what people are thinking but not really talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the get whole to say it. Oh, I... Um, <laughs> Follow someone. I mean, he's passed now. His name's Ram Das. He's a spiritual guru. Um, and you sound like you followed him on Instagram, but you mean? Oh actually no, I just went down him. this rabbit hole. He passed away last year, and I just mm-hmm. got heavily into him over the Christmas break and listened to fifteen hours straight of him. He's amazing. But one of the things is like um, unconditional love, and he met this guru who was like, unless you can tell me your deepest darkest secrets, we can't be working together Mm -hmm. and he took that on and taught that teaching which is like you need to be able to talk about your stuff and that happens in group facilitated sessions where they're exploring you know the um uh, you know that spiritual path and one of the things he said was the main thing that people are keeping is sexual um thoughts or sexual things going on in their head that they're not talking about and so it's quite like and i laughed at that moment because it's like it is so true this shit in my head that has never made it out until, you know, verbalised. Until you had it's a podcast. My- <laughs> <laughs> this is your time. Yeah. But, yeah, so it does, There, it plays on people's mind, I think. Well, you know, it's amazing being a sexologist and people like to confess things to me and they feel comfortable and safe and I'm very honoured and privileged that I get to be in that position in people's lives. But it's amazing the stuff that I get told and I think if only you could tell that to your partner mm. or if only you could live your life more honestly but the problem is that we all have this issue of conformity. You know, we all want to conform into societal norms and standards, and especially when we're in a relationship. You know, often we have gotten into that relationship sexually. Things are new and exciting. It's like the fancy new toy that we just can't get enough of. Then we start to cement our life together and we might mm. have kids, we might get married, we're, you know, living together, dealing with the everyday stresses, and we're not exploring our sexuality enough. And we tend to push all that stuff kind of back in our head and in our stomach and go, no, I don't think my partner's going to be into it or Mm. that's not really what you're supposed to do in a relationship. And then we go on for years and years not talking about sex and our desires and our fantasies and also being confused about them ourselves. We often don't know how to digest them and work out what we want and what's the difference between just something we saw in porn and something that we actually really want to try. So then we get people that you know, are not connecting sexually and not enjoying sex. Mm. And it's kind of to me a no-brainer as to why. Mm. You know, like people scratch their head and go, why are we all struggling and why do we all want to spice things up? Because one of the biggest problems is that we don't communicate about sex. 
So how do you know how to pleasure your partner if your partner isn't talking to you about that and maybe they don't even know themselves in the first place? Mm. Why is there such a high representation of stepmums on the homepage of Pornhub? <laughs> it's not just stepmums. I mean, you know, one of the most fascinating and honest representation of human sexuality is porn. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a look at all these crazy things that come out, like I got sent this um, this clip. There's a company called Pure Taboo. So if you really want to have a look at the extreme stuff, they do those really taboo topics. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about incest and all that kind of stuff. And it's done quite creatively. But, yeah. you know, the reality of it is is that you can measure these days what something is being clicked on, how many mm-hmm. times people are viewing it. That's what I love Pornhub's um, – Pornhub year in review, the yeah, statistics yeah, they yeah. come out with. We, we did that. Sev's read that out. <laughs> Stepmum made in there. there well, you but go. Before, you, before you said <laughs> incest, I was about to say the only stuff that George likes is obviously of that one. But then <laughs> when, I, when, I, when, I, when, it, when it went that severe, wow. I sort of backed off. No, it is. Well, it's well, and then the stuff around like when the Super Bowl's on and what happens to yeah, Pornhub at different times. At the, you know, the when the elections are on, but you can look at the categories and you look at how many people are actually viewing this stuff. Mm. So we're able to go, hang on a second, if we're looking at billions and millions of views on these genres, then someone's being into it, or someone's mm. fascinated by it. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to do that thing. And this is where it starts to get complex because you might be searching, I know we keep going to the stepmom thing, but mm-hmm. you might be searching that genre of porn. Mm-hmm. But it excites you but doesn't mean that you particularly want to go out and have sex in that manner or role play with your partner that she's your stepmom. Not necessarily. So is it status then? Is it like is it status roles? Sometimes is that it's about it? like often it's about taboo. Mm-hmm. So it feels very out of bounds and naughty and mm-hmm. not you know not like we should be doing it. And that in itself is exciting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there can be an element there that you get turned on. It could be something to do with status. It could be something to do with an early sexual experience that you had, and that reminds you of that or something that happened in your childhood. There are so many different reasons as to why you might be turned on by that specific thing. But that's where sometimes instead of looking at the why, it's about trying to work out how we function with that because mm. it's like trying to work out why someone is gay. Mm. You know, there were there used to be so much behind like, well, is it some kind of hormonal thing? Like what happens in the womb? What happens in your upbringing? We finally got to a point where we're like, let's stop trying to explain why we are sometimes the way we are sexually speaking and work out how we work with that in society. So if you're watching a lot of porn and you're finding that it is influencing your personal life, say that you're coming back to your partner and you've got all these crazy demands about what you want to be doing, (laughs) then we would have to have a look at how you can have a healthy relationship with porn and not have it negatively impact your relationship, but also discovering what it is that might be giving you ideas that Mm. you want to come back to your partner and say, hey, I want to give that a go not as to why you're particularly attracted to that thing or where that comes from. It's more about how we can work with it in your everyday life. Well, it's, if, if porn becomes a problem and you can identify it as the problem, like too much or it's you're not stimulated by your partner, it's probably, you know, if you have – but it takes a lot to identify that in yourself. I don't think many people mm. – I don't think a lot of people would be that tuned in necessarily. It, you know – Something like a porn addiction or a problem with porn. I don't always like the term addiction. I like the term problematic behaviours because addiction we think of drugs and alcohol and I like to take sex and porn out of that category. But 
what could be a problem for you could mm. be a different level for me. What could be normal for me is a problem for you. So it really comes down to what, how much porn you're looking at, mm. what you're doing and how it's affecting your own personal life. So it becomes this really difficult point that someone could be consuming a lot of porn and you know what, they can still go home to their partner, they're having great sex, they might be watching porn together, it's really mm. not playing such a big role for them. You may get somebody that looks at just a little bit of porn but yet all of a sudden then puts the expectation on their partner that they should be doing what's going on in that mm. porn scene, which is not realistic. And this is the hardest thing. I have hidden on many porn sets. The tricks that go on behind the scenes are quite amazing. Yeah. Right? It is sexual acrobatics. It <laughs> is days and days of preparation. Like an anal scene, I mean, that kind of goes up in terms of pay rank because mm. there is so much prep that goes involved there's a diet, there's enemas, there's butt plugs, there's all sorts Jeez. of things. So if you were to look at some crazy anal scene mm -hmm. and think that women just are supposed to just pop it in like that, which is one of the problems with this overuse of, overuse of porn mm. in society and younger generations looking at porn – you're not knowing what goes on behind the scenes. You're not knowing all this work. And that's where we're finding this really unhealthy relationship with porn. But is it porn's fault or is it the fact that we have this lack of adequate sex education at the right age so that we're able to look at that material and go, huh, that's mm. interesting and that's exciting, but I know that's now not how it's done. Or, you know, I studied that module on porn when I was in high school and I know that there is so much behind the scenes. I can appreciate it for what it is, which is sexy entertainment, but I know that if I want to explore anal with my partner, we've got to talk about it and we need yeah. to maybe prepare a bit more and engage in foreplay. More pre-prod. Uh, <laughs> what you're saying, that doesn't actually happen, right? The module in high school of porn, is that um, not a, is that a thing? It depends on the high school. I mean, so I, they are doing that? I just, well, I just got approached recently by somebody and it kind of really ignited in me that maybe I need to be going into these high schools mm. as somebody who not only can communicate about this stuff but has been on porn set. So there are a lot of organisations out there trying to educate mm. youth around porn. What my concern is, though, is, is and how it's done. I haven't been in every high school, so I haven't seen every program. So I can't blanketly say it is effective or it's not. But I do know some educators that are putting programs together and going to schools. And I worry about teenagers respecting them and thinking what they know is real. Because at the end of the day, I remember being, you know, a 15, 16, 17-year-old Nikki. And I remember mm. looking at people and be like, well, why would I take sex advice from you? Mm. You don't look like you've had good sex in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, teenagers can be really harsh. Oh, so 100%. I um, last year quit porn. Like, oh. and this is where it's like, when what, you quit acting in porn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you look familiar. You know, just couldn't. It was too hard. <laughs> no, wasn't hard enough. <laughs> no, I stopped watching porn altogether. And when you stop something, it seems like it's you've stopped it because there's a problem. That usually is why people stop shit. They're like, I've had enough. I've yeah. done too well, much. You weren't coming into work. <laughs> <laughs> that was a problem. No, I just had grown up as a young man watching porn from probably 12 discovering mm. it on the internet thir like and then just never thought much about not doing it or not watching it when I felt like it hadn't identified it as a problem but I took a year off and I was like it took a year off I haven't gone full time <laughs> <laughs> I and I wanted to see time. what it was like to not um not um succumb to the 
the the desire to watch something that's going to stimulate me and get it externally in. So I didn't take any drugs, you know. So I was like a year of sort of meditating a lot and trying to not look for externals to change my internal state. And it was an interesting thing. What do you think about people who stopping porn, like just coming to you and going, or do you think it's healthy to quit something cold turkey? (laughs) It depends on your motivation. I mean, you know, what you're saying is with stopping these external factors, Mm. you know, I recently did something last year where the idea was that we were to sit with uncomfortable emotions Mm. and we were banned from sex, porn, alcohol, even exercising, because these are all things that we do that when we're uncomfortable, we kind of want to distract ourselves. So if you're stopping porn in that context, then it might be a very interesting journey Mm. more mentally to do with what you're dealing with and how you're processing things. Some people might find that, you know, porn's just not exciting anymore for them, so they're going to have a break or it's affecting their relationship. Like I personally struggle to watch porn these days, but for a very different reason. So if Bad I look internet. at yeah, <laughs> yeah that NVN. Yeah, yeah, it's bullshit, <laughs> it? yeah. I've investigated the porn industry so much that mm. if I look at various porn, you know, scenes, it's like, oh I know her, oh I know yeah. him. And it becomes really weird because then I know that it's fake because mm. I know them and I know the difference between porn them and real them. So I look at it, or because I've been on so many sets as well, I can look at it and go, Oh, I know that that's a fake. Oh, I know that she's just had her makeup touched up. I know that that's not real. Mm. So it kind of spoils it for me, which is, I suppose, the downside to the job that Mm. I've kind of really ruined the excitement of watching porn by investigating what goes on behind the scenes. Is that like the Hollywood version? Is there like the more grassroots level of, say, user-generated porn? Yeah, there definitely is. Like Mm. now you've got things like My Free Cams Mm -hmm. um, and they're completely dominating that industry where – you know, you can log online and you can be talking to somebody and you can pay them various things to do all sorts of different acts. And it's that idea that I think we actually crave a connection and that's where we're kind of moving towards within, you know, we with whether you want to call that porn or not. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these sexual gratifications, we are looking at a way to connect with something or someone. The same thing with virtual reality porn. We want to feel like we're there. So, What's interesting about all of that is it goes to tell you about what turns us on. Sometimes I think it's just people assume it's the crazy, sexy, kinky, all those kind of things. But even within that, we want to connect with something. We want to connect with somebody. It doesn't have to be a romantic connection. But when we can get that feeling of intimacy and connection, that turns us on. So why can't we all just go, huh, we can have that, whether it's a one night stand, whether it's a fling whether it's in a relationship, but maybe we need it to be sexually satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, George, we've got you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone has any questions in the live stream, please. Uh, Feel free to yell. Yeah, <laughs> free just, is yeah. there anything, George, so far? Uh, what no, people say? Nothing so far. Really? Uh, you meant to make it up if that's the case. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> S- Scooter did say no porn for 97. No, no, no for 97, like the whole year? No, that's Mr. 97. That's oh, his the baby. <laughs> no, not born in 97, close, but his uh, ATAR was 97. Yeah, he got an enter score of 97, which is way better than us. And so uh, we yeah. gave him the- He's very smart. The, the nickname. We've talked with Mr. 97 about his um, sex life, lack of sex life. He's a 20-year-old virgin. Uh, no shade thrown. It just is what it is. And it's interesting because we've looked into that thought that- um, I think some people have looked at someone who is ha- ha- choosing to have sex later in life as could be as like really like a negative. Like I think some people throw that 
Uh, or project that onto Or project people. like questioning sexuality and all that sort of thing. Are you gay if you yeah. haven't had sex yet? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. There's this research that's come out in the last kind of six months. Um, it was broadcast a lot around the ABC that this generation of teenagers are having mm. less sex than their parents' generation. The sex recession. Yeah. So, you know, and everyone's kind of trying to speculate why that is. Mm-hmm. Is it fear? You know, is it because we're talking about STIs? Is it the Me Too era and everyone's kind of too scared to hit on each other? I actually think as well that we're exploring our sexuality in a lot more healthier way. So if you don't want to have sex and you don't feel like you have to conform to losing your virginity as soon as a legal age hits, then we have more acceptance for that. People are exploring how they want to live their lives sexually that's more up to them than buckling to peer pressure. Mm. And I think that's actually a positive because I remember being at school and it was kind of that 14, 15, 16 age where, you know, you had to be kissing a boy, then you had to be Mm -hmm. getting fingered and giving blowjobs. And, you know, it was like this wearing this badge of honour and – once everyone started doing it, you kind of had to do it as well. Unless I you sh- had the fingered badge, you know, <laughs> piece of shit. You know? Yeah, it was like a pin that we put on our blazers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got fingered on the weekend. <laughs> you know, but it, it was like that. It was it, we were conforming, and I think these yeah. days we are in we are empowering this next generation to explore what they want and what works mm. for them, instead of being pushed, especially when it comes to sexually speaking into doing things that they maybe should be doing. Mm. And I think that's healthy. Mm. You know, I think that ideally it comes down to what innately you want and you feel comfortable with. And we are living in an over-sexualized society. And, you know, a byproduct of that is that we're all feeling like we have to be sexual, especially women. You know, women now look like porn stars and Kardashians from a young age. And they're so sexualized. And even for a sexologist to say that, like it scares me sometimes when I see Mm. younger girls because I think, Oh my God, you're never going to look back at the photos that we now look back on and go, what the hell was I wearing? Mm. Like everybody from, you know, 30 onwards can look back to their teenage years and goes, oh my God, I looked so dorky or what was I wearing? They all look so cool now. They look so sexual. They look old, like, you know, young kids are looking 18 to 20, Mm. you know. But the the, the, the irony about that is that the sexy look these Mm. days is not even conducive to good sex. So you think about what we idolise as sexy for a woman. You know, long nails, fake tan, eyelash extensions, hair extensions, all done up. Mm. Now think about what you would expect good sex to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty impractical, all that, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And someone pointed this out to me and said, what we are worshipping as sexy mm. is not even conducive yeah. to what we're trying we to be, be checking sexy. nails like a netball yeah. game, making sure that's not too sharp. <laughs> Do you want to tape them up? Yeah. 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 You've got to have clip extensions <laughs> so you can take them off and, yeah. you know, and then get dirty. But, you know, this is a problem is that even porn stars, you know, people think that this younger generation are looking like porn stars. Now, I've been to those porn conferences that mm-hmm. it's big ballrooms and you've got all these different stands of all the different production companies. Maybe you guys should go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our production company. Production, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So we're going to get and into porn. You see, you see, Every different person represented mm. in terms of diversity, mm-hmm. you know, even guys, girls, body types, ethnicity, tattoos, not tattoos, flat-chested, implants, you know, there is so much diversity that is actually represented in porn and I can jump online and I could find a women who I feel I can identify with but when we have a look at society in general and this over-sexualized pressure that teenagers and young women are under especially, they look like what porn stars used to look like, you mm. know, the Jesse Jameson era, you know, where they were all that kind of 
clumped up and fake and plastic and looking really, you know, like they've been in the makeup chair for five hours. Yeah. Uh, what are some questions that, say, uh, Mr. 97, who's on his own journey, what questions can he personally ask that doesn't enter into society society's norms or pressures. You're talking asking himself. Yeah, if he was to ask himself some questions around, so people are saying, oh, you're doing this or what's happening. How how sh- how can we learn about ourselves and our sexuality, especially in the early stages? I don't know so if, if it's so much about questioning but being honest with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and actually staying true to that. And the hardest thing is is that when someone says to you, are you gay? Mm-hmm. Or like someone says, why don't you just do it? Mm-hmm. Not buckling to that. And, yeah. and that is the journey is that you kind of have to develop a bit of a thick skin so that when someone starts prodding you, you're like, you know, listen, I think you just got to go out there. Mm. Oh, we'll just take you to a local massage parlor and, you know, deal with it. You then need to digest those comments and go, how do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Is that something that I want to take on board? Or is that a comment because that's how someone else feels about their sexuality? And that's that disconnection of being able to respect that everybody says certain things because it's coming from their own belief system mm-hmm. Now, your belief system is different and if it's different, you need to stay true to that and honest to that. And that may get pushed and pulled sometimes because it might be a weak moment and somebody that you know you really trust or you respect is pushing you in a certain direction. And that's where you have to take those comments and think, is that who I am and what I really want or is this my insecurity getting the better of me? Mm. We all have this insecurity about conforming and not feeling rejected and not feeling you know out of the crowd so if someone gets us at a weak moment we potentially might buckle because we think oh I don't want to I don't want to be the weird one I don't want to be the odd one out it's coming back and going well what is it that I want and why do I want it and staying true to that but also the difficult part is knowing that that might change yeah you know so you've got to be able to be flexible but check in with yourself and go okay is that still what I want or are we on a different path today George Mm-hmm. Even if there's not a question, I want you to ask one. All right. well, there's, there's... I have this friend <laughs> who has this rash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a bit of support here for 97. Jasna says, I think it's awesome that you're waiting. I do too, mate. Like uh, my experience from I had sex way too young in my head. I don't think I was emotional. <laughs> no one's emotionally in, ready to have sex. Especially at 15 or 16. It's like. Mm. And you don't I know think what you're I, doing. I definitely think it affected me. Mm-hmm. I had a threesome for my first sexual experience. Wow. And I think it fucked with my head bad. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like it was trying to mimic porn. I don't know. It was just something. It was just the, the situation, right? And I I definitely think it. 14-year-old Josh cannot relate. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely think it really rattled mm. my thoughts around that whole stuff. Mm. And I've only kind of started realising that later in life. I'm like. And that's why I like, I'm like, fuck, man, it's, it is great. If, you, if it's, yeah, you don't have to, what you said, you don't have to mm. do it because everyone around you was doing it. But I was the guy in the middle of that pack fucking that is, that is you know, like what you're saying, that the generation that I grew up in, mm-hmm. it was all of that. Who's fingering it? You know, like mm. it's a- it's, Monday at school. What did you, yeah. Who did you do on the weekend? It's, yeah. which, yeah, I don't think that's that positive. So if there is a different approach in young people these days, I, I think it's for the better. And you have your whole life to have sex as well. Like yeah. we, there's this, it feels like when you're a teenager, I know when, when I was a teenager, there was this rush to do it. Mm. You know, you had to do it. And when you think about, you know, mentally being ready to deal with the things that happen and the emotions that mm. can come up and the connections and all of that, 
no one was ready. Mm. No one knew what they were doing or how to digest any of that. And, you know, now as an adult, like you've got so much time to be bonking your brains out. You know, it's not something that you have to rush into for the sake of doing it. I mean, a lot of people regret their first time. Mm. And jury's out for me whether first time should be, you know, roses and candles and all of that, but you should at least feel like you're in a situation where you're trusted and there's respect and that you've got a connection with someone that you can work your way through it. And if something arises or you feel uncomfortable, that there is that level of communication that you could say, you know what, I need to stop. I'm not feeling so good or say a condom breaks or you, you know, haven't been completely prepared with all of that. That's what's important rather than putting this expectation that it's got to be this ultimate romantic experience because sex is not always romantic. What about alcohol? Was alcohol involved in your first time? Tommy? Oh, yeah, 100%. How and drunk th- were you? Not not like like I was aware. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like I'd was been it drinking. part of it? Like was but it premeditated? I'd drinking every like, weekend. I'm going like, to have sex tonight and sort of yeah, preparing that was, for it. Yeah, that was there. But then I think the, the problem I found was most of my sexual experiences moving forward involved alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so then having sex off alcohol is a different experience. And so, yeah, I mean that's where it's like – the combination of alcohol and being young and having sex is like it's horrible. Yeah. I think. Well, it's like looking it's, back, it's at habitual. Like there's so much that's like habits that are intertwined. Our mate Jack Post, uh, who's got a band called Release the Sounds, he has this song that he uh, did, which was like um, about the Pavlovian. You know, is it the Pavlovian oh, with effect the dog. with the dog? Yeah. He talks about his mum's car saliva. keys was like the Pavlovian effect because she was it was. Um, when I'm all aloner, I get an automatic boner. Like when his mum leaves to go out to yeah, the shops yeah. or whatever, he would straight away get a boner because he knows that he can have a wank. <laughs> and so it feels like like that habit. That's like, a story about him actually. When someone asks about Pavlov's dog, right, <laughs> yeah. from now on, I'm going to change it to the car keys and the erection. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so thing. thanks for that one. And so, um, no, but habits are obviously play a part. Yeah, but also too, when you look at alcohol and sex, you know, coming back to this idea that we all have these sexual thoughts and ideas that we're maybe not okay with, we haven't voiced them, we haven't communicated, you know, a lot of that goes through our head when we're trying to have sex with somebody and there's all these questions and these pressures and these expectations. So if you're used to drinking and having sex, alcohol lowers your inhibitions. Right? It lets you release. It lets you let go a bit. You're not so much in your head thinking, is this normal? Should I be saying this? Should I be doing this? So once that's a learnt response that, oh, okay, I get really nervous, but I never have a few to drink, I can just let go and, and enjoy this, then that's where that really cements in. And you do find there are a lot of people out there who, if they are suffering from some kind of anxiety or they're nervous about it and they find that alcohol helps, then they get into that habit of knowing that, okay, I should have a few drinks before, especially in the casual scene, like mm-hmm. I should have a few drinks before I go out and try find someone to hook up with. And then it becomes a recipe for disaster because we all know what happens after a few drinks as well. Mm. Safer sex goes out the window. Consent goes out the window. You know, it, it's a bigger issue these days because once you start not being completely in your mind, then you have to question what decisions mm. you're making at that point. Well, it's a slippery slope. Mm. What's, the, what's the first step if someone uh, relates to that and they're like, oh, yeah, I have to be on the wines or whatever before having sex? What's the first step, do you think? Well, I think the first step is actually acknowledging, right? That's the biggest thing is you can't shift unless you actually acknowledge what you're doing is not right. 
And you might need to take some time to look into that and go, okay, let's think about how this has been working for me. You know, let's have a look at some of the situations that I've been in. You know, did I practice unsafe sex? Did I find I was in a situation in the morning where I had a lot of regrets because that wasn't right, but I was so drunk I wasn't able to make that decision? Because once you're able to see how it has been maybe playing havoc in your life or being a disservice to you, then you can start to connect with what do I do about it? And that might mean, okay, I'm going to give the whole casual sex thing maybe a bit of a break because that's leading me into this temptation to drink because I get really anxious. Maybe I need to talk to someone, get to know someone a bit better Mm. and go out on a date or have a casual hookup and not drink. So, you know, first of all, you've got to find out what role that has been playing and how it has been impacting you because just trying to flick a switch and change it is not going to actually make a difference. Mm. I remember when I was probably 18, 19, when I started driving, um, there was a shitload of ads around nasal spray technology. Oh, yeah. Which was some <laughs> thing you'd spray up your nose. Yeah, the and, tongue one as well. And you'd last longer in bed. And it was really like playing on the emotional uh, heartstrings of men, I think. Like it's like, are you and they'd, lasting they're still only, around. you know, 10 seconds or whatever it was. There was definitely, they definitely went really hard for a while. And I remember feeling like, Oh, fuck, is that mean? Like you start you're then, counting one, two, three, yeah, now we've yeah. got 15. <laughs> well, I think it's perfect, right? It's like something that makes you feel vulnerable mm. and then marketing around the anxieties that men might have. So it's like. Which is, I mean, that's advertising in general, mm-hmm. yeah. but especially when it comes to this idea of premature ejaculation. I think it's really complex because as human beings, we were designed, well, you were designed, I don't ejaculate and run. I mean, mm-hmm. I can ejaculate, but not like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, run. <laughs> no, but, but when you look at how we were designed, right? How men, you were designed. You were designed. <laughs> right? Just pointing men, to men, men, yeah. men would have to ejaculate quite quickly, mm-hmm. right, and then go off and make sure no one was stealing their sure. herd and, protect, you know, protect everyone. And it wasn't like they had hours and hours on end to roll around the hay like we do these days. So this whole notion of lasting longer, where did that all come into mm. play? You know, is it porn? I mean, you have to really question when there is this drive to last longer in the bedroom. If you were to ask a lot of heterosexual women about men lasting longer. Absolutely not. <laughs> if for a lot of women it would be. If it was a matter of, okay, would you mm. prefer – more foreplay and hitting the right spots or your partner lasting longer in the bedroom. If there's women out there, chime in. I bet you'd find a lot of women. (laughs) I bet you'd find a lot of women that say, you know, okay, I might like it to last a bit longer, but Mm -hmm. you know what? I really want some more foreplay and I really want some more oral sex and I really want to use a sex toy. It's not the biggest thing for me to have my partner lasting for 17 minutes, you know, at a time. So, you know, where do we get off putting this pressure on men that you've got to act like porn stars? Because mm. porn stars don't even last that long either. It's start, stop, you know, they've got all those tricks. It, if you last longer and mm. you go harder and faster, is it necessarily going to be better sex? Yeah. It's also, mm. I guess, with the porn culture, as a, as a young person, you're trying to like come quicker. Like the whole thing is if I can get it done. And so you're yeah, because like, someone's normally knocking on your door yeah, and exactly. like, you ready Mom's for gonna, school? Mum yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't. She came home and <laughs> yeah. forgot something. So, yeah. That's why I the mean, showers are like, well, this is the problem why is with, he having a long shower? Well, think about the kids nowadays with parents with the reusable bags, the Woolworth, like forgetting the green bags at home. <laughs> you know, like we never had that. They, were just, they didn't have to worry about bags. So I can imagine 
that's a that's a big concern. <laughs> but actually, on the, on the shower <laughs> thing, that reminds me of the squeegee. Oh yeah, episode fourteen, our famous, uh, quite infamous have you got episode the, have you where got we we did a um, okay. uh, radical honesty episode. Yeah, early yeah. days where we just talked. Like, we brought it? something yeah, yeah, to the yeah. table. Oh, was, was being horrendous. fairly honest, so and, and so um, this we got these squeegees made. This was uh, this one says Mister Ninety Seven on it. Aww. But um, episode fourteen, what we spoke about um, was you know how you were saying about the education in schools. Uh, an older lady who was my sex ed teacher, she would have been in her seventies. She said to us that uh, about the male G spot, and so I went home as a fourteen year old and tried to find it with. My shower squeegee. Hang on, hang on, hang on. That, that end? Yeah, or? yeah, no, 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 the handle end, the handle end. And this like, isn't to, this isn't to size. No, it's it anyway, much bigger. And so it being really sitting with me, Ow. pun intended. Wasn't it rough and? No, nah, because it was like you had the lubrication of the the shower gel, and Mum's like, "Why are we going through so much shower gel? You know? We got it yesterday." It's like, Mum, do you want me to tear my asshole? Um, and so. <laughs> anyway, I did it. Once. Then I discovered I'm like I don't want to be that guy. It I just stubs I, I did, it, I didn't, yeah, it squeegee up the yeah. Like I just it felt like it was. A, I mean, you only need to do it do once to be you. that guy. <laughs> well, apparently, we've we've got key you rings are now. now. I was to say you yeah. really are now yeah, that guy. I've doubled down. But that's, there's nothing shameful yeah. if you get and off putting a, a squeegee up your ass. Yeah. as long as you're being safe. And that was the whole thing. Is I was like what? I'd I'd held yeah. no, I'd held it as like a little bit of a. Like, oh, I can't believe I did that. It was embarrassing. And so mm. that's what the radical honesty of episode 14 was like. Actually, oh, I've people, got many are doing, of those. <laughs> people are doing weird shit. Like yep. my brother was pissed about the squeegee. He's like, I fucking <laughs> use that thing for what it's meant for. He's probably still disinfecting his hands. Yeah, it's definitely been ch- but, but every time Tommy, um, it feels like he's like at an Airbnb or anywhere, he sees a squeegee in a takes shower a and takes a photo. What do you reckon? <laughs> To be clear, the one that we had was very minimal and it had it no a edges. <laughs> it was just had no edges. It was just, and it sort of, it was almost. <laughs> actually, I commend you as a kid because mm. good on you for realizing that the squeegee, right? Mm-hmm. So that is not going to keep going because <laughs> yeah. the biggest problem is with inserting things up the anus is not having a flared base or a handle that it can continue to go in. And that's a massive problem. And this is why, you know, when you talk about sex education, if you would have taken an object, Mm -hmm. taking the squidgy bit out, you could have gotten into big trouble. Yeah, get caught. Well, not get caught, but that could have have get stuck in. And then what happens is people try go in and get it and they're pushing it up and there is kind of more of a (laughs) suction thing. Now, you think of the bowel as opposed to the vaginal canal. You've Mm -hmm. got a cervix of the vaginal canal that the opening is like, Super, super tiny. So nothing's getting in there. So if you do find you get something stuck, you know what? It's going to be able to come out. Right? You might need to go to a doctor yeah. if it's mm. something really small, but you'll be able to retrieve it. If you have something that goes through the back passage and keeps going in, they may actually have to take it out through like keyhole surgery. So they actually have to, they can't go in through the anus. They may have to take it out. Now, if it's also damp, and this is, becomes a real interesting medical problem. If it damages the bowel, I've known of cases where they actually have to give someone a stoma bag for the bowel to heal and retrieve whatever it is through the stomach. So, you know, it comes back to this idea of why can't we have better sex education so people don't find themselves in that mess? Yeah. Why can't we? 
Why can't we speak to young? Because I don't remember six years. Yeah, why school. can't we be in that mess? <laughs> <laughs> no, but why? Why isn't it spoke? Why is it something? Because it's a taboo, taboo subject. But why is it still taboo all these years? Because we still have a society that is influenced heavily by religion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, sex is always going to be taboo, no matter where we are. We're never going to not have sex be a taboo subject. Sex was something that we were controlled with fear. Don't do it. You'll die. Don't do it. You know, this will happen. You know, you think about over the years how many negative messages have been instilled in us about human sexuality. We still carry that around in certain areas of society. We're still taught that it's a private subject and you don't talk about it, you know, all these things. And now we have this generation that is thirsty for the education. They're putting up their hand and going, we want to know this stuff. We want to explore our sexuality. But there are still these massive hurdles to overcome because who's actually teaching them this? You know, there are a lot of teachers that don't feel fully equipped and they feel really uncomfortable teaching teenagers and kids about sex because maybe they're given a syllabus, maybe they're given bits and pieces and they just don't feel like this is their area of expertise. I think you also have the problem of whose responsibility is it? Is it schools or is it parents? And that's a debate that's continually going on. Who is actually responsible for giving the right sex education to kids? Because then you have a look at the school syllabus and you have a look at all the things that they're trying to fit in into mm. one week, right? Now, sex education is important, but is it more important than teaching kids about finances these days? You know, I wish at school someone would have sat me down and taught me about bank accounts and mm. interest rates and when mm. I get older what I might have to do to get a loan and all these kind of things, which I think, you know, they are saying to do more in schools. You're trying to fit all these extra Tax things returns. in. Tax returns. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, we're prioritising squeegees or tax returns. Yeah. This is the thing. Then where in the syllabus do we mm-hmm. put adequate sex education? Who's responsible yeah. for it? You know, and if It gets shelved. It does. And if you come, if you're at a school that is backed by a religion, then you're also contending with those religious beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Nice so, shelf joke, Josh. Yeah. I just had to bring light to it. <laughs> Thank you. George, what do people say? I feel like people are saying stuff on Instagram. Uh, it's squeegee. Tiff's just uh, said something that as a former teacher, I used to have young girls watching porn as instruction, which is just so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She also said nothing weird about doing weird shit, Josh. Thanks, Tiff. Thanks for the support. Nice. Yeah. Um, for, the, for that little note on that thing, s- porn should not be an instructional I don't want to say DVD because it's all mm-hmm. online, you know, yeah. but it's not an instructional movie. And this is the problem is that we actually need to be educating teens around the intent of porn. So porn is like watching a Hollywood movie, right? But it's sexy entertainment. Yeah. So it's entertaining, but it's also there to turn us on. In no way, shape or form should you be learning how to drive a car from watching The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. So yeah. then why is it that we think that we should be having sex like porn stars? And I think part of the problem is, is that most of us know that we can have sex. So we look at those scenes that are going on and think, well, I can do that because it's human beings having sex. But we still need to incorporate this element of there's a lot of trips, tricks and there's a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes and it's not – I mean, it's real, but it's not real. If we're not able to teach teens and kids that concept early on, people are curious about porn. Most people watch porn in the beginning – I mean, not boys, but – you know, a lot of people watch porn in the beginning because they're curious. They want to see what sex looks like. I mean, I remember being so fascinated. Like you grow up watching those, you know, you get a PG film and you had like a bit of a sex scene. And you're like, mm. 
what does it look like? Yeah. Like, how does it all work? SBS was good for that. Oh, well. yeah. Or anything that's got a caption on it. Yeah. I'm right? fluent in French. <laughs> <laughs> you re- hang on. You actually paid attention? <laughs> but that's the thing. It's people are drawn to it because like, mm. they, we want to see what it's about. And they go, oh, this feels mm. exciting. I feel turned on. But they think that that's what sex is. Have you um, listened to John Ronson's uh, Butterfly Effect? It's like a. Audible. I have a it's little like bit. A, yeah. You, uh, they go into the porn industry. Yeah. They're looking down. This is the effects of porn. The sh- a little the bit porn negative. That one. Definitely. That's the um, the skew. And so, how much? How much do you feel that there is? I mean, it's. I guess it's the narrative you're looking to go down. That one paints porn in sort of this negative mm-hmm. light of. Porn stars and the effect it has on the it's people. Like saying the movies are them. movies negative, and you've got movies that are like Hollywood movies that are really bad and like doing negative stuff. But then there's like mm. there's porn companies that are specifically doing like safe, consensual. All yeah, that there's sort of stuff. there's some porn companies. I think it's Wicked or Vivid. One of them always uses condoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of porn companies where the female porn stars actually have shares in the company. They're responsible for also what they're doing. They have a say in who they're having sex with, what scenes that they're doing. There's a lot of that empowerment that goes on. And this is the problem with the porn industry in general is I kind of feel like it needs to be divided up into sectors Mm. because at the top of the range you've got these huge companies that are, you know, empowering their actors, they're keeping them safe, you know, everyone's on board, they're consensual, they're putting up their hand when there's something that they don't like, they're looking at the type of content that they're producing. But these days thanks to the internet and iPhones – Everyone can be a pornographer. Mm. So that's not the entire industry and there is a negative side to the industry. But, you know, once again, going back to that debate of is it always the fault of porn or is it the problem that we don't have the support and education on how we consume porn in our life? And and this is this problem. Is it, is it the most negative thing in the world or is it because we haven't been able to balance this relationship with it and work out how we counterbalance those negative sides. There will always be a negative to something. I mean, I look at a lot of Hollywood films and the ones with lots of violence, especially in a country like America where you can get a gun, you know, you'll get these movies where someone goes and might be killing 20, 30 people during the whole film and there's not one consequence to that. And that might be the good guy, you know, but still he's busting into a building mm. and all that and he's breaking people's necks and he's... You're talking about John, John Wick. Wick. <laughs> yeah, John Wick, my favourite movie. A bit more than 20. Yeah. But, I, but I often think, <laughs> you know, there's, there's just no consequence yeah. to that. Yeah. And, you know, I think about kids emulating and looking up to those actors as stars and looking what those characters are doing in movies and yet people see porn as just this the most evil thing that we have in society and that really alarms me mm. because I can explain porn to a teenager or a child that has accidentally come across it to be able to put into context. I can't explain that. Like if mm. someone said to me, well, why is it that there's this guy that goes along and kills everyone mm. in a film? Because it's entertainment. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. What about um, sex tutorials? If you think about like uh, YouTube, oh, kids learn Photoshop and stuff. Oh, there's a guy that does this really well. Yeah, really? There's, I have to find the name for mm. you because I came across him on a press release. Um, it's not obviously for kids and teenagers, mm-hmm. but he's doing a lot of content for um, couples, men, women, but he's actually, some of them he's fully clothed, some of them he's actually like having sex, but he goes through and shows like different positions and different things that feel good. And I'm thinking, thank God someone's actually doing it in a really kind of classy way. It's mm-hmm. not tacky. 
He seems to be quite an educated guy, knows his stuff. Mm. That's more of the content we actually need. Yeah. yeah. Because And then you learn from that content and it is more clinical. Like it isn't made to turn turn you on. Of course, you're going to find it exciting because maybe there's someone having sex, but it is the kind of video that you look at and go, hmm, okay, maybe I'll try that move. Oh, that's how I make her ejaculate. Or, mm. you know, there's all these different techniques that he's focusing on. And then go and watch porn to turn you on. Mm-hmm. Don't go and watch porn and go, oh, that's how I should make someone ejaculate because yeah. in a lot of those scenes, a woman has actually holding water inside of her because they want that whoosh, that flushing. Oh, don't, don't ruin it for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it, it, that's what happens and they want, the, they want the visual effects. What about if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, there's something on my mind that I haven't told my partner, like something – it's a fantasy or something around there. Is the advice to, to be honest and tell your partner what you're thinking, or what? How do you hand, how do you approach these? I think it depends your intent, right? If it's just a fantasy and you don't want to act on it, then you have to consider that if you voice that to your partner, are they going to think that it's something that you want to try, right? So. It's not to say that you shouldn't share your fantasies necessarily, but you have to think about potential consequences to this. Um, let's take, for example, a man who identifies as heterosexual but's watching gay porn. Right? It's something taboo because you're not gay, but you're like, oh, I get turned on by this because I wouldn't do it. If you were then to tell your partner that, would your partner go, oh my God, I think my, part- I think my boyfriend's gay? Is this a thing? You know? This is a thing? It is, but you don't get a lot of people admitting it Mm, for that very reason. I mean, girls, you know, heterosexual girls are always like, oh, gay porn's hot. Mm. But we're not in a position where someone's going to think that we're going to turn around and be a gay man because we're a woman and, you know, that's okay. Mm, mm, But mm. as soon as a man who identifies as being heterosexual has any form of attraction to another man or just touches them or all of a sudden, boom, we just want to typecast you as being gay as though that's a bad thing. Mm. So, you know, that's just an example of, you know, if you were, you know, if say you had a partner that was quite maybe closed-minded, a bit more conservative, how are they going to feel if you say that, right? But maybe you're having these fantasies that you might feel like you're bisexual. Now, that's something you should talk to your partner about, but obviously – You've always got to think about the implications to that. That's going to open up a can of worms because is your partner going to think that you need to be with someone else, you need Mm. to be bringing someone else into the bedroom? So I think it's important to talk about all these things, but you've always got to just step ahead a little moment, think about your partner, think about how they're going to react to what you're telling them and why you're telling them. If you're telling them something because you want to incorporate that into your sex life or you want to explore it together, fine. If you're telling them something just because you want to voice it, mm. but it may have consequences for them, that's when you have to question why you feel the need to say that thing to them. What about honesty? Because one of the things that Tommy's been working at a lot is around like his past version of himself and being constantly honest and communicating those things. Do you think that partners need to know everything about your sexual history? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a different breed of person because mm-hmm. of what I do for a living. I have no problem talking about sex. I have no problem talking about my sex life. Now, one of the most confronting things in my relationship early on is that my partner didn't want to know everything. And I was like, what? <laughs> you don't want to know everything that I've been up to? But very different for me because I'm so used to talking about it. And not everybody wants to know what you've done in your past. So, 
you actually need to get permission from your partner whether it's something that they want to talk about with you. And there's nothing wrong for if somebody doesn't want to know every single person that you've had sex with and every sexual experience that you've had. You think you owe it to them if they do want to know? If they do want to know and you also feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. then talk about it. If you don't feel comfortable, then you don't have to talk about it. This is, you know, in a way this is also consent because both people need to be on the same page and comfortable with that information. I mean, I think the biggest problem is asking how many people you've had sex with. We tend to want to define people with sexuality. Like if your number, say you're having this conversation with your partner, Mm -hmm. say your number is really low, Right, which is fine. You might be having a lot of sex with those people or you just might not have felt comfortable at that point in your life exploring with your sexuality. And maybe your partner perceives you as, oh, what's he been doing wrong? Or, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, something, what's going on here? Say your number is really high, right? And we don't know where each other's boundaries are, especially when it's new. You don't know how someone's going to react. Say you've got a really high number and you tell that to your partner and they go, oh, my God, what am I getting myself into? Mm. Or... Shit, I gotta go and get an STI test. You know, all these negative things that come to mind with someone that has a lot of sex. So I don't always love the idea of keeping a number per se, but I think it's enjoyable sometimes to be able to talk about past sexual experiences, what you've liked. You know, I had this experience, um, I really liked doing that, or I had this horrible sexual experience and you know, this happened and it just made me feel really horrible about myself. And that's a way to also introduce boundaries by being able to say, I know I don't like this because I did it once and it worked out really badly for me. So that when you come to that boundary conversation, instead of someone just thinking, oh, you haven't done it properly, so you don't know if you enjoy it or not, you're actually able to connect with that boundary with a story to be able to say, I had this experience with a partner. Maybe it was a threesome and you said, you count that as a one wrong. or a two, by the way. <laughs> like, you. With the numbers. Oh, the threesome. That's also an interesting thing with keeping count of numbers. It's mm-hmm. like, what is sex? Yeah. I mean, that that's the funniest yeah. thing about this Six subject. Six people were watching, but they weren't involved. You know? But, you know, this is the problem is we Thanks, actually can't even define what sex is. So when mm. we're talking about this subject, it just blows out to be so much bigger than we so first annoying. think. Yeah. Because mm. if you are having oral sex, and that's mm-hmm. how you define what sex is. But then someone else defines sex as penetration. Should penetration hold more importance than oral sex just because there's the possibility of procreation? Because that then is a procreation-focused society, that it's penis and vagina, mm-hmm. which is not how we are and not how a lot of us have sex. So why should we weight that particular sexual act as being more important than somebody who enjoys Oral sex, anal sex, fingering. Is that the religious part of the equation potentially? Yeah, because there's this chance of getting pregnant. Now, so many of us are having sex not to get pregnant that way. But we are very much a penetration-focused society that sees a penis and a vagina as the ultimate act. Mm -hmm. But why? It's real weird, isn't it? Sex, like just, when you think about such a bizarre it, thing. Penetration, like, we're a pe- penetration <laughs> focus. What did you say? I can't remember what you said. Like, but imagine pen- if sex penetration felt good for yeah. didn't feel good for anybody, and then say that again. Sorry. Imagine if sex didn't feel good for anybody. Hey, it, it was, doesn't feel good for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Probably a lot of people. But imagine <laughs> if you just took out anything, any um, emotional change in your state. Mm. How weird the action is. Well, yeah, like, you mean like you animals. Yeah. That's just weird. Like <laughs> animals. animals don't yeah, enjoy just, it. No. So, um, dolphins. Bonobos. What are bonobos? It's like an ape. 
Okay. Do you only know about bonobos because of this interesting sexual fact? No, so they they study bonobos with human sexuality because uh-huh. apparently we're very linked, to, like we're very similar to them in really? DNA. Um, dolphins, there's a few other species mm-hmm. that have sex for pleasure, but most have sex for procreation. So really it's about maybe the female produces heat and puts out the signal and the male then does his job and that's it. I don't necessarily think it feels good because they're not having sex for pleasure but then you get other species where they're having sex not just when they're in heat because it feels good so we can have sex and it feels good we don't necessarily have to get pregnant or even the different ways that we experience sexual pleasure don't even result in a pregnancy Mm. so we need to be moving away from that penetration focused model because Mm. It's not how so many of us have sex and experience pleasure. So is, uh, have you heard about the dolphin dude, by the way? Oh, the, the dolphin had, dude? A friend oh, of ours God. had uh, the dolphin dude on, on his, his podcast, podcast yes. which he ended up taking, like they ended up taking that whole podcast down it? for him. Like I had a relationship with a dolphin. With oh, dolphin. Okay. Can you look it up? So he wrote a book about dolphin. it. It's a bestiality. Yes. Oh, mate, flat yeah. out. But he was in a loving relationship, if you ask him. Bestiality is a really interesting topic and I've spoken about it too much publicly on radio. (laughs) Um, Um, When I was studying sexology, there was this case in America not so long before I was there where this man had died from having sex with a horse and the Mm. clip was up, it was him and a guy, they'd gone into the stable, the other guy had set it up and was filming it and the guy died soon after. And I remember obviously being at a school that studies or teaches sex. It's a little bit more different, open-minded and liberal. So I remember asking one of the lecturers, how would he have died? He said, well, there's two ways. Either because if you've ever – have you seen a horse's penis? Yes. Like they're, I remember, they're humongous. I remember before iPhones were a thing, there was a clip of a, a woman – having intercourse with a horse that was like in the school grounds. It was a very popular and, clip. And they're humongous, those things. And they're very – and the horses are very – right, they're muscular. Yeah. They're very strong. Yeah. So he said either it's like way – It's like an arm. Oh, it's humongous. <laughs> and it's an arm with muscles attached to it. I just assumed he would have been trampled on. No. So he died from penetration and either ways that that could have happened was that his organs were literally pushed straight in mm-hmm. um, or – you can get like a, an E. coli poisoning in your mm-hmm. system from all of that. Now, this guy, I was doing some research about it, just was interested. He was a dad, mm-hmm. right? He's, he died. Like it's so sad. One of the problems is is that we don't talk about this subject. Now, I later found out is that most bestiality porn, and for some reason it came from Spain, and I found this out because they, we had this at the school, they actually um, – tranquilize, not tranquilize, but they, they give the animals, especially if it's a horse, something to make it a bit more docile because mm. if you get the wrong end of the horse and even buckle you or something like that, mm-hmm. it's quite dangerous. So, you know, there's an interesting thing with bestiality around consent because animals can't give consent, so therefore is that sexual act okay? But just in general, like we actually should be having more open conversations around safety because if you saw something to do with a horse and you thought, oh, I want to give that a go, it can be very dangerous and you mm-hmm. can lose your life. And it, and we can laugh about it, but we go, oh, that's that's really sad. So why yeah, yeah. are we not having more discussions around, I know it's a very philosophical thing about can you fall in love with an animal, but there's a lot of cases out there of people that do. So do we say that that's wrong? 
for someone who was like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into it, you went into it quite <laughs> <laughs> um, No, it brings up, no, it does bring up some issues. Yeah, Definitely, it's a lot George. of ethical issues to do with human <laughs> is there, sexuality. Is there anything yeah, happening on Instagram? I feel like um, <laughs> 97's more across it potentially. Uh, uh, Tiff says animal cruelty, full stop. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say I, I, I found... Um, the dolphin book? Yeah, so it's Dolly the Dolphin. Dolly. The, the bloke who fell in love with it. Um, said Dolly, Dolly the dolphin announced her intentions to me by positioning herself, so I was rubbing against her. Okay. And what's the book called? I don't know what the book. It's just a Daily Mail article. Okay, I've got Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah. flick that one to yeah. me if you can. <laughs> George. Um, oh, earlier on, uh, I don't know if I should say the name. Should I say the name? No. You can, well, is it I'm, very incriminating? This is the first <laughs> is time is George has read out. Insta- <laughs> tell us what they said, and then we can tell you if you can say I'm the name. I'm repulsed by porn. I have the best sex with. And connection with my husband. Yeah, who is it? That's great. Jasna. Jasna. Yeah. That's great. But that's great. Like, yeah. you don't, you're not everybody has to watch porn. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I don't watch porn anymore because I know the tricks, but it's not something that you, it, like, going back to this idea of exploring your own sexuality and being true to yourself. If you don't mm-hmm. like watching porn, don't watch porn. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I, I think right. also it's like challenging whether it's just a habit you formed. Over the years. We definitely just- lost Jasna on the horse chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, then- if you didn't like porn, you're not going to like this. <laughs> do you, what about, do you experience, I mean, we've talked a lot about porn, but I think it plays a part in a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives that you've probably a even had the thought part. about it or a feeling towards it. Um, people and their partners keeping the fact that they watch porn from their partners, I think would be very high amongst yeah, a lot of couples. I feel like this borders into the conversation around infidelity. Um, I was watching um, Bad Mums that was on this week on TV mm-hmm. and she there's that scene where Mila Kunis comes in and her husband's jerking off to the laptop and she's like, are you, are you masturbating a report? And it turns out that he's actually masturbating with this woman that he's been having this online affair with for 10 months. And, you know, my partner and I were talking about it like, was that an affair? And I was like, well, it's deceitful. Mm-hmm. If you're having to hide something like that from your partner – then it's deceitful and there's definitely – it could be micro-cheating. You mean or the, well, I'm, I'm the talking Google about that hangout in with the woman The Google hangout. But Surely even that's if infidelity. Like that's a pretty clear case, no? Well, for some people it wouldn't necessarily Was she on be. the other – if it's if it's both sides and they can see – was could he see yeah, – could she, she see him? They could see each other. So it was like okay. a Skype call. But if you have a look at hiding porn usage, mm-hmm. well, isn't that being deceitful? You know, what, you've got a question, mm. why do you have to hide it? Mm. And this is kind of the problem as well that when you have a look at the messages that are given to teenagers around porn, you know, don't look at it, it's wrong, we've got all these different programs and services that block it off everything, right? We're really drumming in those messages that this is an evil, okay? Now, at what point does anyone tap you on the shoulder and say, you can watch it now, it's all okay, mm. So a lot of people develop this stigma around porn and this belief that they have to hide it because as teenagers they probably have. They've probably found a way to get around the net nannies and they've probably found a way to, you know, go to a friend's place and look it up or hook up to someone's Just a Wi-Fi. session with the boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing. It does that happen. was yeah. a fucking thing. I yeah. did it as yeah. a young man. Everyone yeah. stand around and masturbate. No, not even like so- Soggy was, Sayo. Yeah. Did you ever no. see Soggy <laughs> Sayo? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Mexican restaurant. I at least restaurant. had a cover on me, so. <laughs> it's, just, oh, it's a game. But, you know, there's this idea that it's something to hide. It's Mm because it stems from this belief that it's wrong. 
And never do you get to a point where anyone's actually saying it's okay and, hey, why don't you talk to your partner about it? Instead, you've got this instilled idea of I have to hide it from them. Now, that's the same with the person on the other end, the person that you're hiding it from. They might have the same belief system that's been drummed into them as a teenager that porn is wrong. So, therefore, when they do find out that you're secretly watching porn, then they may react quite negatively because they've been taught that it's a negative. And so you were talking before about you've got to ask yourself why are you telling your partner about X or Y? So in regards to the sexual history stuff or about kinks, is there a case in regards to the porn stuff around like, oh, this is a personal, like this is an individual thing and it doesn't involve my partner? There's a debate for both sides, but if you're hiding it, the question Mm. is also why are you hiding it? I mean, somebody could say like, this is just something I like doing on my own. Now, it might not be just this, you know, big word dump of like, hey, I watch porn and this is how much I I watch it. It might be that they come in and you're watching porn Mm -hmm. in your bed and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Like, Oh, well, sometimes I like to watch porn and masturbate. It's just something I like to do. Can can you not do it on the bed? (laughs) (laughs) Not on those sheets, buddy. Um, But if you're having to like wait till your partner's asleep and then you're creeping off into a spare room or you're creeping to the study and locking the door... That's what that's a study is for, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, that's a dead. <laughs> to study something else. Jeez. But why are you having to hide it? Yeah. So it's finding that balance between, well, you have a right to some privacy in a relationship mm-hmm. and masturbation and what feels good for you. But if you're going out of your way to hide it, then what are you ashamed of? Are you ashamed mm. of the type of porn that you're watching? How much? You know, that might be masking a bit of a problem that – you and yourself are ashamed of how much you're using porn or the type of porn that you're looking at. Could that be the kink? Could that be that? Could the doing it and it being yeah, naughty. <laughs> naughty? Yeah, you're oh, naughty yeah. off in oh, the bathroom. But it, I've it, it. it can yeah. be as well, and that's this is the whole thing when it comes to normalizing sex. Is mm. that if we were to normalize everything yeah. and take away the taboo element that controls our sexuality, the, there's a downside to that yeah. as well because a lot of things would then not be exciting because they're no longer taboo. Yeah. All of a sudden it takes the guy 10 minutes to come because he told his partner it's <laughs> lost all interest. Um, it is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, the, the idea of um, uh, watching porn more openly, I, I've got a mate who would sort of just put it on a TV, like his wife, and like they've just got that sort of thing where he could just put it on and it wouldn't be a problem. Do you think that there is a case for Do you think that that could potentially be Porn parodies. Yep. I love porn parodies, right? Because mainly Could Chris the- Lilly do one. I'd love <laughs> no, to see Chris Lilly. I would do love it. to yeah. see Chris Lilly just write yeah. one. So it's the funniest thing in the porn world mm-hmm. that they try rip off everything, right? And there's this. They must have great legal teams. There's some percentage of like where it's inspiration, but it's not copying. Yeah. Well, parodying um, like you, the parodying law is great because you can get away with it completely. You get away with a lot. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think it was Lena. Is it Lena Dunham? Yeah, Lena, Lena Dunham. She yeah. tried to get the girls, girls, girls one mm-hmm. pulled down. Um, but I've been given like Snow White. like oh, they, right. And the production value on these is actually quite clever mm. as well. So Is John Wick, does John Wick have one? Because <laughs> Probably yeah, does. Probably so probably Google yeah. search that. Yeah. Can you actually Google um, the John Wick? The Fifty Shades of Grey one isn't that great. Um, well, it's because it's so obvious, isn't well, it? Well, that's it. How do you make a porn parody of Fifty Shades mm. of Grey? But Shrek would um, be hilarious. There are yeah. some really the fan. Probably, <laughs> there probably is a Shrek one. Yeah. Um, Using your green prosthetic vagina. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but... 
the funniest thing did is that they have. That on no, we didn't. <laughs> Hang on, rewind. Who has a green prosthetic vagina? <laughs> well, we, well, yeah, you were talking about that. The earlier. one you took through. Yeah, um, through oh, you mean mine? Yeah. It's but not green. It was bronze. Like it looked green. Okay. The fact he gave no context. That was quite. It was, funny. Yes, that was my vagina. Round. It was my vagina. Model. Now. Let's John jump, Wang. We jumped back to. <laughs> but if you, the funniest thing is these names, right? Every year, every year at the AVNs, which is like the porn, like the Oscars uh-huh. of the porn world, there is an award category for porn parodies, and I just love. Like I've been mm. there a few times, and they read out these names, and I'm like nearly in stitches because it's just it's so funny, and they are meant to be a bit of fun, but they're still porn. So I always think like if you if you're a couple and you want to have a bit of fun with your porn yeah. usage, grab the porn parodies and put them on like a movie because you know it's not like something to emulate but often it's quite entertaining but you've still got the sex scenes. There used to be um, – did you ever get into Pirates? Pirates. As in Pirates in general. No, I know there, was a, the there was a – well, it's a porn – it's a takeoff of Pirates of the Caribbean and I think Jesse, Jesse Jameson – May Jenna. have been Jenna Jameson. One of those names was in it, and it came with. I remember this is I was going back correct to. You, but I feel like you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going back the to the days of, of FHM, right? I was asked to review porn, like to write a little thing about it, and this one came with two DVDs, mm-hmm. and one side was like the movie, and it's quite entertaining too. With some porn stars, some porn stars are great actors, and some porn stars are terrible actors. So it was like the sexy version of Pirates. And then the other DVD was like the cutout hardcore scenes. So I was like, what a great way that if you wanted to introduce porn into a relationship, you weren't sure if your partner was really down with it. You could watch like the first DVD and kind of – they're like hot scenes and they start kind of hooking up and start having sex from – and it's that cutaway angle from afar so you can't see the – but you can see the – Oh, great. You know, that's – Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other DVD. So then if they like it and they're like, oh, yeah, that's turning me on. Like, well, I got a treat for you. Oh, great. Then you've got the yeah. other DVD that really shows what's going on. So we need to get on. a DVD player? Seven <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. Sorry, can, they're collectibles. You've still got to get them. Can you get some funny names just for us to finish on? Well, so what movies, because I'm already thinking about kid, like movies I loved as a kid that would be really, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that would have a, to be yeah, a porn yeah. parody. <laughs> Dennis the Menace. <laughs> that would definitely. <laughs> what's, what are, George, what's your favourite movies? Oh, I remember there was one called... Um, Shaving Ryan's privates. <laughs> <laughs> See, who comes up with these titles? Because that is like sheer brilliance right there, right? This is what I love about it's it. Is it? Good. Could you imagine the meeting? Like everyone's around a table, yeah. right? And they come up with like the latest list of like mm. Netflix shows and, you know, movies. How can we make this into something sexual and yeah. opt out a mm. word and put it into the percentage of parodies? It's creative. Yeah, Gone really? in 60 seconds. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what, about, um, what about the – we were talking about young girls being sexualized and looking like the Kardashians and, and I think there's probably a – Free Willy is a good one. Free Willy. <laughs> looking, at, looking at Instagram. Oh, Instagram is almost worse a porn, porn site. Like, it's worse than porn. You can just especially because it's promoted. Feed. The problem is not Instagram is promoted as reality. Yeah, a hundred percent. Porn is not promoted as mm. reality. Porn stars do not promote themselves as this is who I am in my everyday mm. life, and that's why often they have a stage name. And there's a trend now. There are a few porn stars that use their own name, but they do take on a bit of a character. Mm. Now, no one in that world is going. This is all real. They're like, this is entertainment. This is fake. Instagram, everyone's out there going, oh, yeah, this is what I always look like. I wake mm. up like this. 
and everything's edited and it's all about angles and you take about 50 photos to find the one with the right lighting and the right angles that makes you look a certain way and you've I got forget to that face tune, babe. Yeah. You've seen that? Oh, my God. <laughs> add some like, hair, add but some But this is the thing. You can, do, you can do anything. What about revenge porn? Well, it's illegal. Yeah. You know, but I that mean, feels like that's a... Uh, of our times as things are becoming, we're creating content in general across our whole lives. More people are filming themselves in those situations, which obviously means the content's available. It is a really scary area to go in Mm -hmm. because it starts to become, and I I was researching this recently, um, revenge porn is actually considered a type of abuse Mm. because it's exactly what it is. You know, you're, you're attacking somebody. You're trying to... You know, take something. Well, you're that's, ruining their life. Really. Well, whether you're ruining their mm. life or not, I mean, these days, I think if you've got a porn tape out there, it's not that someone's or you know, a revenge porn tape. It's not that someone's not going to hire you or anything like mm-hmm. that. But you are taking someone's emotional state and you are trying to shit on it. Mm. Am I allowed to say shit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. You have a podcast. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it is considered a form of abuse. Someone mm-hmm. is going out of their way to attack somebody. So they're depending on what's done and what country you are in. They're are now a lot of laws around it. I was just recently in New Zealand. Um, they've got a company over there called NetSafe, which is a bit different to us, where you can call straight in and go, hang on a second, um, someone's just posted this photo online of me and they will work with the various companies to work with you to get that taken down. In Australia, it's a little bit different that I think you have to, um, there's a government department, uh, GovSafe, I think it's called, or something along those lines. So, you know, we are creating more systems in place to protect people that when these images do pop up, mm. there is a way to pull them down. It's not always easy. Oh, man, um, when you got people screenshotting instantly, like, yeah. Any tips on that stuff? Like, do you think um, young people should be making s- porn? I think it's, listen, it's a common day form of courtship these mm-hmm. days to send a sexy photo, to send something naked. I think what you always have to understand that if you are going to be sending dick pics, photos of yourself naked, photos of yourself doing something sexual, you always have to think of how would I feel if that was publicised, if that was out there publicly. If you're not okay with that, mm-hmm. don't send it. But if you're okay with that, like there's a lot of people who they don't really mind, like maybe they're sitting there with their legs open and they're in something sexy and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I wouldn't be happy if it got sent around, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, don't put it out there if you're not okay with the idea of other people seeing it. And that's the filter that you've got to have because how, how can you truly trust someone? Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you're just dating and in your relationship, Things that can get hacked as well. It's oh, like that, exactly. that shit can happen. What happens if th- yeah. in the cloud? Yeah, you know? yeah. What happens if someone takes your phone, mm-hmm. finds your laptop? Yeah. You look at all. Um, what about? Um, I mean, the murky area of when people have been hacked and then it's online, and then the people like it almost being fr- frowned upon. So if if people are sending around a link mm-hmm. to someone's phone that has been hacked, like a celebrity, Jennifer. Lawrence had her cloud hacked, mm. but she came out, I think, and was saying this is like um, basically saying it's like uh, you looking at it is adding to the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. negativity around this, like how bad it is. You're contributing. You're as bad as the people who stole this shit by yeah. looking at it. There's one of uh, uh, one celebrity posted uh, a nude photo because they were someone was basically um, threatening to release that hacked. So they're account, here you go and, and they're like, here, here it is. Great. And Good. Like, that's a, Kudos to them. Yeah, I mean, that's that really only works if you're taking nudes based on the filter that one day it could potentially be made public. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if most – I don't think, I don't think, that, yeah, I don't think most people are doing that. 
I think just just make sure you look nice and don't forget <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. put your head in it. Well, that's wear the a idea. Mask. Who's taking sort of sloppy? If you're taking sloppy nudes, well, some, just, of the, <laughs> some of the dick pics that in. I've been sent, right? Mm-hmm. Seriously, some of the those photos I've been sent, and you know, having different social media accounts out there, they do come my way. Please don't send them. Are people um, sending? Hey, look at what I got sent. It's or like a shock value oh, no. thing. I, I think they get off. Oh, dude, guys send it. I think they get off on the idea of like it's like the the modern version of flashing. I have been. Yeah, I have had a um, flasher once, and I've got to tell this story because it's yeah. hilarious. I was in San Francisco at Pride Festival, and I had a girlfriend with me from Australia. I was studying over there at school, so part of our schools we always participated in Pride. I was trying to find an outfit to kind of come up with. You just put things together. I had like fairy rings and all this stuff. I don't know why I had a harness on, but I had bought a harness, mm. and I had found a stuffer, so like a flaccid penis. So. If you are maybe a, a trans woman and you're in the you know process of transitioning, or you just want to feel more masculine, um, you can wear a stuffer to feel like what it feels like. You know? Is so it really like, do it? So it's it's inside, it's but pointing so out. You, so you, it's like the harness I'd be wearing, oh, okay, and then there's sure. a thing to hold it in place, mm-hmm. and then it. Were you just wearing an exterior? Like I was wearing outside? it underneath my dress because I was like go. lifting up and yeah, shaking yeah, up. Yeah, that yeah, was sure. a cool outfit. Yeah. So there we are lined up for these portaloos. So I'm with my girlfriend on one side and then there was a line over there and I saw this guy out of the corner of my eye and he had a jacket on and I'd seen him do that to someone. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. So he turns to me, he looks at me, opens up his thing and I said to my girlfriend next to me, do not react. I looked him in the eye and I lifted up my dress. And he laughed and I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic because what they want to do is they want to get the yeah. reaction out of you. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, you know what, you are not going to get the reaction out of me. He got the I'm going to get reaction out of you. <laughs> he laughed, he laughed. He laughed. Yeah, that's what, human connection. How do, how do people find connection. this stuff? Like why do it, does flashing turn somebody on? What is that part of the brain? What's it's, going on? It's taboo. It's, you know, catching someone out. You know, it's that that thrill of doing something illegal as well. Um, the problem is is that it is illegal. Mm-hmm. So it's a really tricky fantasy to have because depending on how you do it and when you do it, you could end up in a lot of trouble. Mm. Same things with voyeurism. You know, there are a lot of people who get off on this idea of watching people, but sometimes part of that thrill is watching someone who doesn't know that they're being watched. It's very taboo. Mm. It's very exciting because you're, you know, on that line of doing something that's illegal, but the problem is it's illegal. Mm-hmm. And it's also too, you know, impeding on someone's personal space. So this is a lot of the problems with some fantasies out there that there is a legal element to them. And we kind of have to work in with that, you know, but sometimes desire is so strong that it gets the better of someone. They know that it's illegal. They know that it's the risk, but they just can't hold it in any longer. What's your take on, um, you know, at my apartment, I look out and I can see other apartments. I had a place like this. And I do sort of like... I do look over. I never like stare. Hey, if they like have a, their curtain open and yeah. they're bonking and you can see them, yeah. then that's kind of an invitation to at least look. Is that? Do you think that that's the standard? Because I feel like I'm definitely. Uh, I'd spend maybe ten seconds just scanning, seeing what's going on. Like it, all, all the people across the road love the tennis, so I was watching a lot of screens of tennis. <laughs> Don't have to turn it on yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can just see it all on. happening. Screens are big. Um, but, but what do you think about about that? Is that something that that you think about? I think we're curious as to mm-hmm. what people get up to. I used to live in an apartment block like that, right in the middle of Kings Cross, with a very small road between my block right. and the block across. Mm-hmm. 
And I saw all sorts of things and I loved it. It was so fascinating. And I had this one neighbor who just always used to pick up chicks all the time and he'd be, you know, really going really? at it. And he would, ha- and I remember once sitting watching TV. And would you turn the lights off or do, do, is no, that going actu- too far? No, we actually started off a bit of a game because we had a very brief fling, which mm-hmm. you should never do. And then I decided it probably wasn't a good idea to have a fling with my neighbour so close. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like that. So he wanted to get back at me. So oh. he kept bringing these girls like back and he'd have the doors open. So I'd be watching TV and I'd do this, ah, and I'm like, oh, come on. So wow. me being the brat that I was just got two of my male friends. I was like, can you just come over and like pretend to have a three-way with me? <laughs> and we had the blinds up and we're like, you know, like, um, no, we didn't. We were all mates. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, Wait, you didn't? I didn't have a threesome with these two okay, guys. Yeah. I was just like, can we all get naked yeah, and sure. like look like we're about to and then pull the blinds down? And as I pulled the blinds down, <laughs> I just did very this. Close. <laughs> <laughs> it's very close. I just I just don't like losing. So I was like, you know what? But the moral of the story yeah. is like it was so fascinating to sometimes see what other people were getting up to. And mm. I think we're all curious by nature yeah. and we are curious about, you know, the people in our lives and their sex lives. Like mm. I've often walked around and I've met people and, I mean, I suppose it's part of the job, I think. I wonder how you have sex or I wonder what your sex life is like. So as long as you're not impeding on someone's personal space that you've installed a camera somewhere, mm-hmm. but if someone has left their blinds open and you happen to look in, then he said, mm. well, maybe. <laughs> too strong? I mean, the law might. Bloody fair so, game. <laughs> fair someone game might have something to say yeah, to it, but I think that if game. you'll. <laughs> I mean, I leave my blinds open all the time and yeah. my partner's always getting angry. He's like, yeah, you walk around naked. Yeah, and people I always can say see. to Brie, I'm, I'm like, so people can see you right now. I can see someone because yeah. she just walks around, whereas yeah. I'm just like, I get. Changed in the bathroom, and I get. Oh, you're like, one of those, yeah. are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dad. But I think I've, I've lived there long enough. I, the, the chances are they have seen me naked once. Mm-hmm. So really, does it matter if they see and me again and again and again? Yeah. <laughs> but that was another place. You, in primary school, I remember hearing about like uh, kids' parents that were nudists. I'm a bit of a nudist. You are a nudist. Yeah, I still to this day, like when I go home to my parents' place. I mean, I don't walk around naked, but I will sleep in the nard and like sometimes run to the bathroom. Mm. I don't know if I've ever seen my brother naked. Not that I want to, but I'm just saying no, like, no. I'm the nudist. Like mm-hmm. he's the prude and I'm the nudist. Um, my mum knows that. Like it's, you know, that's fine. Mm. A mate was um, having a shower and was walking to his room, didn't know his, he thought his housemate wasn't home and the housemate um, walked in and my mate was at the top of the stairs, slipped and fell down the <laughs> stairs naked and he had the worst bruise. Absolutely not. Like, could you imagine how you'd look at the bottom of the stairs naked? Oh, no. Is there like, anything worse? Yeah. Oh, it's not going to be attractive. Anything, guys, before we go? Uh, the live stream finished, but oh, yeah. I found a few other parodies. Oh, yeah, great. Uh, this ain't Star Trek. Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Aladdin and the Anal Princesses. <laughs> Dirty Sex in the City. Star Wars The Last Temptation. And oh, yeah. The Office, an XXX parody. Oh, great. I not that productive. But I, now uh, let's but, have a um, movie night. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, your um, place? No. the Office is a, a parody on the English or the US version. Let me just <laughs> say sort of Ricky so Gervais does it or Steve Carell. Does it, does I think really I'd prefer matter. to see Steve Carell fuck than Ricky Gervais, <laughs> to be honest. Is that fair? I'm sure he has a sex tape. Which one? Oh, both of them. Well, Steve Carell's in Do you Morning know I, Wars. I take. I don't have the sex tape, but I have what's classified as the sex tapes. Mm. The Marilyn Monroe one. Oh yeah. Before she was Marilyn Monroe, when she was Norma Jean, and I don't know how Coca Cola have never gotten their hands on this because it's called the Apple Apple on the Coke, I think it is, and uh-huh. she's in her 
um, like it's in a brief and she's got this apple and she rolls it around her boobs and she's got a can of Coke and she like drinks it and dribbles all over it. Um, I got my hands on it. I don't know if it's legal or illegal. So, whoops, maybe I don't have it. How, but, did you um, get that? I won't tell you how I got it, but yeah, yeah. I got I got given a coffee, and I just think, wow, this would be so good advertising yeah. for Coca Cola. Well, so I'm sure. So, but, I mean, people leak these things. Look mm. at the Kardashian, oh, and look at okay, Kim so they and don't, the new sex tape. What it did I'll, for her. I'll tell you a good story about the sex tape thing because I have met the Mister Sex Tape. Mm. Right, so. What happens is a celebrity, someone releases the sex tape, okay? So the Kim Kardashian one was a real one. This was not put out there. So it's coming out, right? So then this guy who's the sex tape broker, he did um, Pammy and – Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee, um, Prince Harry. <laughs> it's just the same name as me. That's how the, it is. <laughs> you just so um, – like, there's so much pride. The, prin- the Prince Harry uh, photos as well. So if you find yourself in possession of a celebrity sex tape, mm. you go to this guy and this guy brokers all the deals. So he'll go back to the celebrity and go, okay, it's coming out. We can either manage this to your advantage. So I know the Kim Kardashian one, and I don't think this is a secret, but um, there is a golden shower scene in that. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's been cut out. So what you see of what's been out there is them brokering this deal of like, okay, well, it's going to come out. So what can we do to protect me as much as possible? Same with the Paris Hilton one. Um, and that's kind of what they do. It's not necessarily – I'm sure there's celebrities out no, there that extortion. have put their – Well, <laughs> it's not extortion. It's like if, if your sex tape is going to come mm-hmm. out and someone gives you the opportunity to either yeah. profit from it or yeah. alter it sure. so that something is hidden, a lot of people would take it because I think that we would be looking at a very different situation with the Kardashians if she was peed on. Like yeah, if, there yeah, was a yeah. wa- if there was a shower scene versus just this – Kind of sex. It'd be scene. a nickname for sure. Oh yeah, it, she'd know. be the golden, the golden shower girl. girl. Yeah, the, the golden, golden girl. girl. Do you reckon the Kardashians would have had their success no. if she was the golden girl? I don't know. Donald Trump was into that, wasn't he? Yeah, allegedly. Alleg- no, allegedly. No, he's not coming after us. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying allegedly. I'd love. Sorry, it. I'll find that tape for you too. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to watch that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, you know what? It would just to laugh. It would it probably in. take off his spray tan. Explains a lot, actually. Uh, oh, thank, thank you for coming you, on the show. Yeah, thank for you for coming. having me. Uh, it's a daily talk show. If you've got uh, any sex questions, don't ask us. <laughs> <laughs> ask Mr. 97. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hi at thedailytalkshow.com is our email address. And are you are you doing a podcast at all? Can you talk about the new I, project you've I got? I can. Or? I don't have a release date yet, mm-hmm. but um, I have finished a podcast called The Connection. Uh, it's a lot of fun to record because it's all dating, but I've got a lot of people contestants or daters, I think we, oh, we refer to them. Uh, so that should be dropping very soon. Oh, great. Cool. Yeah. We'll have great. to come back on after the, after it's Yeah, I'll dish, the, I'll dish the dirt on the dating side of things oh, perfect. next. Yeah, great. All right, today's talk show. Have a good one, guys. See you tomorrow.